Well, guys, I'm very excited this morning um, with the guest speaker that we have this morning. Um, former Judge Randall Heckman. Um, I first met him, it was 37 years ago, uh, about this time of the year. Uh, my three boys are adopted, so my oldest son, when we went through the uh, adoption process, uh, Judge Heckman was in the probate court, uh, juvenile court, and uh, uh, we, the day we were there, we had some, uh, have some very good friends that were adopting at the same time, and they were back to back, but for some reason, we were assigned Judge Steckety, and our friends had Judge Heckman, so I was able to meet him there the uh, first time. And so God reconnected us over the years um, in just different ways, crossing paths. But uh, uh, Randy is a father of 12 biological children and his wife, Marsha. Those two are just an amazing blessing. And uh, they wrote a book called Sweeter by the Dozen. And so maybe Randy can share with you sometime just about that whole story. But... Uh, would you please welcome my friend, my brother, Randy Heckman. Give him a warm welcome as he comes to share with us this morning. Thanks so much, Tom. What a good guy he is. Can we just thank God for him, too? Amen. Amen, amen. Let's see if we got these slides going here. And Okay, do I got to turn around to see him? Okay, all right, that's all right. I can do that. Well, anyhow, we're going to talk, we got two weeks. The first one, we're going to talk about the power of prayer. And the second week, we're going to talk about one of the hopeful consequences of prayer, which is revival and spiritual awakening. So someone has said, a great theologian said, there's never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin uh, in united prayer. And so we're going to be talking about that. So let's see if this thing works here. It's on. Okay. Okay. I went too far. Went too far. Okay. There it is. Okay. Here's a question. How many of you guys pray? Raise your hand. Oh, I love that. Second question. How many of you people are satisfied with your prayer life? One hand, maybe two, kind of, kind of get one of those. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm kind of, at best, I'm one of these, okay? We're all growing. So we want to talk about it. And yet, it, prayer is just so important. Uh, Dave Butts, good friend. He's now graduated to glory. He was head of the National Prayer Committee, which, by the way, was, they just filled that role with a guy from Grand Rapids, of all places, Jeff Eckert. I don't know if you guys know him, but that's just so cool that God has put the leader of the nation's prayer committee here in Grand Rapids, good friend. Anyhow, but Dave Butts was an awesome friend, and this is how he defined prayer. He says, prayer is the communication part of the most important love relationship that we have. It is the way God has chosen to accomplish his will on earth. We partner with God. And uh, so it's much more than, you know, the typical prayer that we can have, you know, gimme, help me, gimme, help me, gimme, help me, gimme, help me, amen, sorts of things. And uh, it's like in a marriage, if, if all you did was, you know, husband to, to wife, pass the salt, I'm going to work, goodbye, let's go, goodbye. 
Give me that. Help me with this. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a love relationship. Perfect? No, my marriage is not perfect, but I have the best. We've been married. It'll be 54 years in uh, just a few weeks. All, you know, 98% goes to Marcia and to Jesus. 2% maybe to me, but uh, just amazing. Oh, God is so awesome. And uh, anyhow, but it, it's a love relationship. It's communication and a love relationship. Okay, so how important is prayer? Again, we don't have to spend a lot. I've got so many quotes, but here's just a few of them. Uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He said, he said why, you know, they asked him, why, why do you have such a successful ministry, Pastor? He said, my people pray for me. I'd rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. And along those lines, you know, Jesus never taught his disciples how to preach. But he did, by example and word, he taught them how to pray. So that's a priority. Um, D.L. Moody, every good movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. Oswald Chambers, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Wow. And what priority do we place on prayer compared to doing? See, that, that's one of my many shortcomings in life is do the next thing, and then I feel good for a while. Well, then do the next thing, do the next thing. But God wants it, me to be with him. One time, uh, well, both Marcia and I, we've asked God, God, what's the most important? My wife's an evangelist. So anyone who knows Marcia knows she's an evangelist. I mean, she shares the gospel every day without beating people over the head. That's just who she is. So we used to ask God, you know, what's my MIT, my most important thing? And you'd think God would say to Marcia, well, it's evangelizing. You know, bring more people. You know what God told her? Marcia, your most important, you can evangelize, that's fine, but your most important thing is be a pipe of love and respect to, to your far from perfect husband, Randy. And sometimes you want to say, is there anyone else up there with another opinion, you know, sort of thing? And then I asked them, I figured, you know, it's to bring revival, awakening. You know, sure, we've got to work toward that because we need that. But when I asked the Lord, Lord, what's my most important thing? He says, Randy, most important thing for you is to be with me and love me. And then together we'll do what we're called to do. And so that's a daily thing i got to get into. All right. So how much do we pray? Japanese pastors pray. Again, I don't know who did the data here, but they apparently it's reliable. Japanese pastors, 44 minutes a day. Chinese pastors, two hours. Korean pastors, three to five hours a day. Early church, estimated two hours a day. American pastors, maybe 22 minutes a day. Me, you. Let's be honest here. How many minutes a day do we spend in his presence? And part of the reason is this great quote by Samuel Chadwick. He said, the one concern of the devil is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from our prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. And just think what Jesus did. I mean, he spent so many hours, even through nights, He's, he's God, and yet to talk to his Father, to be with his Father in the presence of the Spirit, that was, that was our Lord giving us example. And if he did it, how much more do we uh, need to be in prayer? All right. So history and Scripture both support the premise that God always responds to the humble, desperate, and united prayers of his people.
There's just this story that just, I just read it this morning. It got me emotional again. I'm going to speed through it because we got more to cover. But true story, a little girl's prayer, just to give you an appreciation for the fact that prayer is important and powerful. Dr. Helen Rosevere was a medical missionary in Zaire, Zari, or whatever it is, in Central Africa. We'll just put it that way. In the 50s through the 70s. And one night, again, this is back in the equator, but uh, still, it got cold at night. Anyhow, one night, mother in labor with a preemie baby, delivered that preemie baby, had a two-year-old daughter, and the mother died despite all that they could do. She died. So it left this premature baby and a crying two-year-old daughter. They had no incubator, no electricity. All they had to keep this little... <laughs> preemie baby alive was a, was hopefully a hot water bottle. They went to get the hot water bottle, and because in the equator things rubber don't last very long, it, it broke. And that was the only hot water bottle they had. There was no drugstore nearby. I mean, it was just like, what are we going to do? They put the child next to the fireplace that night and so on, tried to, but they said, this is not going to last. This child's not going to make it. So this Dr. Rosevere, the next morning, she had a custom of bringing the orphan kids together for prayer, and she mentioned this little baby and the need for a hot water bottle, and this little 10-year-old girl, Ruth, I just love this, 10-year-old girl, Ruth, says, well, let's pray. Please, God, send us a water bottle. It'll be no good tomorrow, God. The baby will be dead, so send it this afternoon. And by the way, would you please send a little dolly for the little two-year-old girl so that she, you'll know that she'll know that you really love her? Amen. And Dr. Rosevere said, as often with children's prayer, I was put on the spot. Could I honestly say amen? I just could not believe that God could do this. I know he can do anything. The Bible says so, but there are limits, right? And this, I mean, sending a parcel from the homeland. I've been in Africa for four years. I'd never received a parcel from home. But who would send one with a hot water bottle? We live on the equator. That afternoon, guess what happened? A 22-pound package appeared on her back door. She gathered the orphans around. They opened it up. And they lifted up some jerseys and some food and some bandages. And I put my hand again, and I felt, could it really be? Really? It was a hot water bottle. I cried. I had not asked God to send it. I had not truly believed that he could. Ruth, the 10-year-old, was in the front row. She rushed forward crying out, Well, if God sent the bottle, he must have sent the dolly too. Rummaging down to the bottom of the box, she pulled out the small, beautifully dressed dolly. Her eyes shone. She never doubted. Looking at me, she said, Can I go over with you, Mommy, and give the dolly to the little girl so that she knows that Jesus really does love her? The parcel had been on the way for five months. Someone from his, their church put it together, had been prompted by God, put it together. The scripture says, before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear, says, and from Isaiah 65, 24. Anyhow, true story. Isn't that awesome? Just amazing what God does. Amen. All right, we got to keep moving here. So how to pray with persistence. And this is very important. It's so, I used to pray, God, do this, and then when he didn't do it, maybe I'd pray two times. I'd say, okay, you're smarter than I am. I get it. Done. What did that say about my attitude toward Jesus? 
you don't really love me. You don't really keep your promises. I get it. You're busy doing other things. That's terrible on my part. God wants us to pray with persistence. Remember that story of the guy um, in Luke 11? He goes to his friend at midnight because he keeps knocking, knocking, knocking. The friend says, get out of here. We're in bed for crying out loud. Go somewhere else. He said, even though he's not his friend because of his shameless audacity. God, you want me to pray with that? But you already know what I need and you love me. But yes, don't quit praying. Okay, and then, of course, the, the one, you can call this thing the parable of the unrighteous judge or the persistent widow. I prefer persistent widow personally. I don't, I don't know why exactly. There must be a reason. But anyhow, Starts out, says, he told Ms. Parallel that they should always pray and never give up and never lose heart. And, uh, and then he says, well, not God. And again, she just keeps going. Finally, says, I don't care about God or men, but I'm going to give her what she wants. for. She, she bothers me. And then at the end, it says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? And I can't help but think of our son Daniel when he was like three years old. He's, he asked me, he's our, um, what number was he? Number 10. And uh, he's now a doctor, a, a physician. Anyhow, he, when he was like, he's always asked these questions. Dad, how did God get started? I said, well, Daniel, God's always existed. He said, Dad, how's that possible? And he'd grab my face. And he said, just tell me, Dad. Well, Daniel, I don't... But there's times where I pray to God, if these three things line up right here, my prayer is consistent with Scripture. Don't pray, well, God, give me another wife, you know, or whatever. You know, it's got to be consistent with Scripture. And the prayer will give glory to God, not to me, but to God, and that he's put this desire by the Spirit. He's put that desire in my heart. If those three things line up, I will not quit. Do you have any children? that are away from the Lord, raise your hand that you're praying for. Okay, look at the number around here. Yes. Well, we've had some sons away from the Lord. And we got a promise from Scripture, Isaiah 54, 13, all your sons will be taught by the Lord and great will be your children's peace. And we brought that to Jesus. God, you promised. And it's like I grabbed his face like my son Daniel would. And instead of God getting mad at me for doing that, he smiled. Yeah, that's what I want. Don't give up. Don't give up praying and trusting God. We've got to pray with faith. All right, we've got to keep going here, folks, so we can discuss around the table. All right, I love this by uh, this guy, Mark Batterson. He said, very rarely are our prayers answered as quickly as we'd like. By definition, praying hard is hard because it's hard. But it's the prayers you pray when you feel like you want to quit praying that can bring the greatest breakthroughs. My friends, if I do nothing else here, I'm encouraging you to pray with greater persistence and faith and don't give up until God comes through. He wants to. He loves your kids, if that's your prayer, more than you do. He wants them back. It's consistent with his will. All right. So now it's time to have some fun. <laughs> So at your table, share how much you pray per day. Be real. What do you think might encourage you to pray a little bit more? Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. And then uh, do you agree that the first move is ours? Is it possible that prayer is something we simply need to put into our schedules a little bit more? Because I have found it's like reading the Bible. The more you read the Bible, the more you want to read the Bible. 
the less you read the Bible, the less you want to read the Bible. It's kind of funny. It's the opposite of hunger, physical hunger. And that's true of prayer. The more you pray, the more you want to pray. The more you're in his presence, the more you want to be in his presence. The less, the less. So maybe we got to be a little brutal here with ourselves. And uh, so let's, let's discuss that. And then I got one other chart for a little bit more discussion. So go, go for it right now. Go. Okay, I'm sure you're in the middle of discussion, but I got one more slide here. Select, uh, order in the court, uh, where's my gavel? <laughs> Actually, in 15 years on the bench, I used my gavel maybe three times. One of those for, it was a lady in a wheelchair who started swearing at me because she wasn't happy with what I was doing. I found her in contempt. And, uh, and I could have put her in jail for 30 days, but she, they wheeled her out, and they calmed her down. She came back and apologized, and I thought of that proverb, it's a glory for a man to overlook an offense. And I told her that, and I said, but don't you ever come back in here and do that again, or you will go to jail. Okay. So anyhow, now next thing here is select one or two at your table to briefly pray that God will show each of you his will about your prayer life. And uh, then share with each other what steps you're actually going to do to improve your time in God's presence in prayer. And who at your table can you partner with to hold you accountable? How's that for something? So that next week, you can ask your friendly little partner, well, how'd you do? And again, this is not, we're not, this is not flat. We don't want to do this out of flesh. This has to be the spirit directing. But it, he can work through us setting schedules and doing that sort of thing. So just take a few minutes to do that, and we'll wrap up in a few minutes. Go. Okay. I hope uh, you've made some decisions and got a person to hold you accountable. Let me just say one other important thing about the power of prayer, the need for prayer. If you pray... Again, God answers every heartfelt prayer that's consistent with his will, but if it's something you can, if you can get a scripture like we did for, you know, all your sons will be taught by the Lord, great will be your children's peace. I mean, I mean that's just, that's gold. I mean, God said it, and he, he's faithful to all of his promises. Same thing for wisdom. We had four, our story, as is, is, uh, somewhat uh, Tom alluded, was we had four lovely daughters, and to me that was plenty, um, more than enough, our third-born, if, if you look in the dictionary under strong-willed child, you see her picture right there. Um, and I knew we couldn't afford any more, and we couldn't fit any more in our house or our car, and I wanted a private airplane someday. And I could maybe imagine a six-passenger, but nothing bigger than that. And uh, so I said, I think we're done. And Marcia said, well, maybe so. And she prayed this scary prayer. Lord, that's enough kids, but if you want us to have more, change Randy. It, it worked. Um, and I say, you know, I could cry knowing numbers 5 through 12, how they're influencing. You know, children are messages you send to a time and a place that you yourself can never go. They're like missionaries to the future. And it's all spelled out in this little way. We got some copies of those of you who are particularly still contemplating these sorts of things. There's some that are on the shelf up there next, in front of the uh, audio folks. So 
you're welcome just to take one. Uh, Missing Our Children. This is a, a summary of our larger book, which is Sweeter by the Dozen. It goes on to say, Making Jesus the Lord of Our Family Size. We, we hear about him being Lord of everything, but how about how many kids to have? Isn't that our decision? It's a pretty important decision. Anyhow, we're going to talk next week about revival, spiritual awakening, which we so desperately need. People say, well, we need to change government. Yeah, yeah, but guess what? Government is a lagging indicator of where the culture is, and that's the lagging indicator of where um, the church is and what the effectiveness is. So let's close in prayer real quickly. Lord, thank you for this time. Bless each man here, God, and help us, Lord, to grow in our prayer life. Every one of us needs to grow closer to you. You, you, want us. you don't need us, but you want us. We absolutely, totally need you, but there's times where we say, eh, I got other things. Forgive us for that, Lord. Help us to put you first, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So bless each one, and thank you for this time in your name. Amen. God bless you guys.